Only a mediocre person never makes a mistake. That means that if you're too afraid to fail, you're never going to be successful because you're never going to be able to accomplish great things when you're unwilling to take chances. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast, guys. You got with you today the Knucklehead Stephen. Let me clarify real quick. It is 2020. So when I say guys, I use that as a kind of a term of endearment for everybody. Everybody who's listening, this is the podcast that you're going to plug into if you're wanting to hear the stories, the screw-ups, the mistakes, kind of the pain associated with growth. Growth, first of all, even insinuates that there's going to be some change. So what happened prior to you listening to this, if you're interested in a different outcome, maybe than your last business endeavor, your last business experience, or or maybe it was an unsuccessful relationship, whatever the case may be, this is the podcast that people turn to whenever they want to learn through other people's mistakes. They want to learn through everybody else's screw ups. My background, for those of you who are listening for the first time, is it's littered with professional development opportunities that came from my own personal mishaps when it comes to mistakes. For those of you who are kind of listening and you're here for the first time, I'm excited to have Adam Mindler, who's a serial entrepreneur. He's a writer and a speaker. And to be honest with you, I want to delineate here real quickly. There's a difference between whenever we say entrepreneurs are coming on here to share their screw ups and their mistakes. The difference is not everybody is willing to get into the details of their screw ups. I just want to clearly delineate. There are some that are successful because they create some distance between the truth of what happened and the results of what happened. Because there's, I mean, let's be honest, mistakes are kind of embarrassing sometimes. So it it requires a tremendous amount of courage, like our guest has today, for coming on board, essentially dipping his toe in the water and kind of jump. Actually, he's just jumping right in and, <laughs> uh, and sharing a little bit with us. So Adam, welcome to the show, buddy. I appreciate you taking some time to chat with us today. How's it going? Stephen, great to be here. My only concern is that I know we have about 30 minutes blocked out and I don't think that's enough time to talk about all the mistakes I've made or, I mean, even just one mistake. I mean, we can spend hours talking about how badly I've screwed up. So I'm going to try to do my best. Yeah, try to squeeze five years of mistakes into literally 30 minutes. If you could do now, I'm just messing with you. So I'm not going to give you that gargantuan of a task, Adam, but even the way that you answered that question there, I've talked with quite a few entrepreneurs over the course of my time doing this. And even prior to just doing this, just sitting in the boardroom or a conference room, talking to people who are honestly, they understand that with growth and with putting themselves out there and taking risks, you can take calculated risks and still have things just go completely south quickly. Uh, the Marine Corps, we call that no plan survives contact with the enemy. In the business world, there's no strategic planning that will provide the perfect coursework or playbook in order to create the outcome that you're looking for if you stop. As soon as the market or the customers give you feedback that isn't necessarily what you want, that resistance is difficult to overcome sometimes. Has that kind of been your experience or is that a mischaracterization of what happens when you run into failure? Well, I, something that you mentioned that I think is really interesting, you talked about your experience in the Marine Corps. Uh, I didn't serve in the military, but I've had the privilege of interviewing some of the most successful military leaders of our time, both in my podcast and I have an interview series in Thrive Global where I've interviewed hundreds of America's top leaders and actually interviewed a Texan named uh, Boomer Milstead. I don't know if you know Boomer. He's a Marine Corps general. And uh, I mention him because he served in the Marines and I have enormous respect for our military leaders on my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors. I've done interviews with 
General Martin Dempsey, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under President Obama, with Admiral James DeRides, retired four-star Admiral. Admiral DeRides was the Supreme Allied Commander of NATO. Uh, one of my most recent guests, uh, General Tom Trask, retired Air Force General. So I believe that no matter what field you're in, you could be an entrepreneur. I run different businesses in different industries. You could be a leader of a Fortune 500 company. I've had many of those, uh, both on my podcast and in my interview series. You could build billion-dollar startup companies. You could be leaders of sports teams. The core principles of effective leadership are universal. And one of those, and this is something that I believe in strongly, and this is something that I've heard repeatedly from many of the great leaders who I've interviewed, including military leaders, is the importance of admitting your mistakes, owning your mistakes, owning your failure. We fail every day. When I was in business school, I took a class with a guy named Richard Reardon. You might not know Richard Reardon, Stephen, because you're in Texas. But uh, in LA, Richard Reardon is a well-known guy because he was the former mayor of Los Angeles and a beloved mayor of Los Angeles. And uh, Mayor Reardon was also an extremely successful businessman, venture capitalist, private equity guy, uh, just an unbelievably successful human being. And one of the things that he taught us in our MBA class with him was he had a great line, one of his core axioms of leadership. Only a mediocre person never makes a mistake. And what does that mean? That means that if you're too afraid to fail, you're never going to be successful because you're never going to be able to accomplish great things when you're unwilling to take chances, when you're unwilling to take risks. That perspective will stop some small business owners and their tracks because they conflate the idea of them screwing up with their business no longer being profitable or their operations getting out kind of growing outside of their control, so to speak. But even just what you said there about essentially just having limitations of the growth of your business being predicated on the way you're thinking about your business, mediocrity leading to mediocre results. I'm curious, as you're listening to him or as you're going through some of the experiences yourself, it's a difficult thing to do to control your emotions whenever you feel exposed, whenever you make a mistake. I mean, think about the last time that you maybe your wife corrected you in front of one of your friends or, or that's never you know. happened to me, Stephen. That's <laughs> no. never, that's never happened to me because I'm not married. So I don't well, know. Fair. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, potentially, uh, potentially <laughs> maybe a friend of yours who embarrassed you in front of your, your, your buddies for calling you out for, for, you know, for a screw up. You, there's always this perception of wanting to protect those mistakes or protect your ego, so to speak. And I'm not talking about you. When I say things like that, even you, the listener, I'm really saying it myself. You know, I've had it, I've had it happen to myself. I think you just have to own it. I'll give you a good example. We did a Zoom call the other night and I'm still adjusting to this new normal of hanging out with your friends over Zoom. So you made sure. a reference. I can't talk about my wife correcting me because I don't have a wife. I'm single and that's a whole other story. I don't know if your podcast sure. talks yep. about dating, but we can dive into that if you want. But I don't, I don't like that's of interest to your audience. But I did a Zoom call with my MBA classmates. So our 10-year... MBA reunion was postponed because of COVID. And I went to UCLA Business School and we did a, a call with our section. And our section had 70 or so kids 
and let's say 30 of us jumped on this call. Haven't seen most of those people for a long time. And it was just a good time to reconnect and catch up. And I get on the call and people are making jokes about me and about wouldn't be relevant to your audience, but taking shots at me about things that I did in business school. And there are two ways you could respond. In my case, I laughed because I thought it was funny. The things that they said about me were legitimately funny. And you could be offended by it, but why be offended? It's funny. They were, they're right, objectively. And it's all good nature. When someone says something, when someone corrects you, are they correcting you because they're trying to be mean to you? Or are they correcting you because it's coming out of a good place? Is it coming out of ill will? Or is it becoming, is it coming from someone who has a good heart and maybe they didn't express it in a way that was as sensitively stated as possible? So I think it's really important for you to receive the information in a way, process the information in a way that isn't going to lead to conflict, that isn't going to lead to confrontation. And on that Zoom call, when they were making fun of me, I laughed. And why wouldn't I laugh at you? Because that's the whole point of it. That's what friendship is all about. When your buddies call you out, what are you going to do? Are you going to get angry? Or are you going to say, hey, you know what? You're actually right about that. That's, that's a good call. I am like that. Yeah, 10 years ago, I did that. And you know what? I still do that. The way that you talk about the personalization and the, the interaction, the the back and forth, whenever you're going to accomplish something significant. So in the businesses that you had talked about, for instance, the uh, being a serial entrepreneur yourself, have you noticed a, a trend in uh, teams that perform optimally or teams that, that perform and they... Uh, maybe they don't have a high level of trust because they don't have that personal interaction, or maybe they uh, they focus a little bit too much on being a little too authentic and they don't have enough time to to actually get work done. Can you share about some of your experiences uh, dealing with different teams or different outcomes of some of the businesses that you've ran? Hey, you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly. Uh, our process helps to demystify that. We're push button for podcasts. We're knucklehead. Why knucklehead? Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing. We do. We've been there. We've actually been in your shoes. We take your spoken voice. We literally give a human voice to your website. You want to bring dead leads to life? Well, then you need to talk to knucklehead. Essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life, how do I, how do I do that? Well, you essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They wanna binge watch you, they wanna binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Steven at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you got a really cool story, stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions LLC and get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know prevent you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. See ya. Yeah, definitely. We've had different teams and different businesses and different iterations over the years. And there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of learning from mistakes. I think we've definitely suffered over the years from being too much of a summer camp where it's almost been too fun of an experience. I came from a corporate background. I worked for 
four huge companies, two really, really big companies in the financial services industry, two huge companies in the entertainment industry. And when I started my own company, I was really focused on culture. I was really focused on building a culture that people wanted to be a part of. We wear shorts every day. I know this is a audio podcast, but Stephen, you can see me. I'm wearing a t-shirt. It's actually a big fly t-shirt representing one of my favorite brands. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan, so love uh, baseball and wearing shorts. It's 75 degrees right now, even though it's in the morning in Los Angeles. And why wear a suit and tie when you don't have to? And our culture has always been built around our philosophy that at the end of the day, we want people to come into our environment and focus on what matters, which is performance. And I have to worry about the stuff that doesn't matter. Like, what am I wearing today? Or how do I look? Or what are these other superficial markers? You know, we care about how you treat people. At the end of the day, what matters is work ethic. What matters is ingenuity. What matters is problem solving. This is what we care about. But in the early days, it took us time to really figure out the fine line between being friends and being just really nice to everyone and treating everyone like they were our buddies and realizing that you sort of have to create some structure and you don't want to create the kind of structure that repelled you at some of these other organizations, but there has to be some sort of balance and it, it takes time to learn that. One of the words, words matter, right? And the essentially the definition of or whatever is insinuated by choosing specific words matter. And the way that you had talked about the superficial nature, so to speak, of large organizations are an unintended consequence of a too structured environment in order to create an outcome. However, that old notion, that paradigm that I had was dispelled by a high performance team leader in the Navy SEALs, he talked about how whenever you go through different iterations of training or whenever you go through different types of high performance training, high performance teams perform at an optimal level for high periods of time because they never lower their standard. However, you know, when you think about a, a very large organization, it always comes back to I hate this answer. And I don't know if you, you're the same way that the the answer of it. Well, it depends. Right. It, it, it depends on what the outcome is, but it's it's bizarre how that answer of, well, it depends on what the outcome is. It depends on what your goal is. Um, there's a different pathway to get there and there's a different process. There's a different tactic or there's a different structure to your architect, the architecture of your team. Uh, and that's what I was going to ask you about is, is if you compare and contrast maybe that, that large business that uh, in the entertainment industry versus the culture that you're creating now, are there similarities in the way that the, the, the structure is set up? Or uh, did you decide, you know what, we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and start from scratch with this guy? Well, Stephen, something that you said that, that I thought was really interesting was I don't want listeners to take away from my message that all big companies have the same culture because that isn't true at all. Um, and within a large organization, there can be many different subcultures. And there can be, and there are, different teams within an organization that perform at all kinds of levels. And you just gave a perfect example of your time in the service when you were a part of a extremely high-performing team. And when you look at the military, there are 
certain units that are extremely high-performing elite units. And those are units that are high-performing for a reason. And it's no different than in any organization. When I worked for Credit Suisse, which was a uh, and is a huge financial services firm, there were certain divisions within that firm that were extremely profitable, that were performing at an extremely high level. And then there were others that were struggling. There were others that didn't perform at that same level. And there were certain offices that crushed it. And there were certain offices that really scuffled. So every team has its own culture. Every group has its own culture. Now, when you run a small business, you have a lot more control over that culture. When you run a Fortune 500 company, the word culture means something, but it also means a lot more when it's defined by your immediate manager or by the person who runs your office. Uh, They say in politics, all politics is local. And it's not all that different in life. Everything is local. The CEO of Credit Suisse had a lot less impact on my day-to-day life than the person who ran the Los Angeles office of the private banking division. So when I look at my experience running the Velos Group, it's different than the experience that someone has. I did an interview with Doug Conant. Doug Conant, for my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, Doug Conant took over Campbell Soup, Fortune 500 company. Campbell Soup was struggling, was going through terrible times. Doug took over Campbell Soup, turned the company around. Now, Doug's experience running Campbell Soup, very different than my experience running small entrepreneurial businesses. He was talking about how he had to replace 300 leaders in his first three years running the business. I don't have 300 people in my company. So it's different. What is similar and what anyone, no matter what organization you're in, no matter what size of your company, no matter what industry you're in, you could be in the military, you could be running a sports team, it doesn't matter. And I said this earlier, I'll say it again, I'll say it a hundred more times. The core principles are universal. When Doug talks about what it took to turn his organization around, when Doug talks about what it took to make Campbell's Soup a winning business, anyone listening to that conversation can take those lessons and apply them to their teams and make their teams more successful. And I I can tell you, I've done that with my own leadership style with just about every person who I've interviewed, generals, admirals, professional athletes, actors, you name it. We all have stories. We all have lessons. And it's just really important to listen, to learn, and to continue to grow. Well, the the way that you had talked about uh, just even that Campbell's Soup store, the leader, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name, excuse me, his name, but that gentleman that you spoke with, the perspective on on being able to uh, to take a look at a business, an org chart, a P&L, wh- whatever the case may be, and then assign the necessary tactic or empower a leader to make the, the high quality decision to facilitate a, uh, an organization of, of leadership or a high amount of ca- accountability. When you think about the way that your business functions and the and the the flexibility and the ability to to be agile and to be able to think on your feet, what have you seen to be 
the biggest change with within your organization in empowering your team versus maybe some of the tactics that he used in order to to go through that 300 leadership change over that three year period of time? Well, there's a lot, Stephen, there's a lot to unpack there. And a big change that I've noticed in the way that we've grown as an organization, and it's a subtle change, but it's a change that has had an unbelievable impact in our overall performance is just in the way we've approached hiring. And it's a question that I ask a lot of the people who I interview because I'm so interested in understanding how do we bring the best people in possible and what do leaders care about? What do great leaders care about when they hire people? And early on, we fell into the trap of really focusing on the traditional markers. We hired people who went to the best schools in the country. We hired the Harvard graduates and the kids with perfect SAT scores. And we learned the hard way. I actually wrote an article in the Huffington Post and the article was on one of the worst, if not the worst person we ever hired. And the article is basically on why I fired a Harvard graduate after two weeks. And what we've come to learn is that the traditional markers are, I don't want to say irrelevant, but pretty close to it. Certainly highly overvalued. I try to look for people who have the quote unquote intangibles, but they're intangibles that you can look for. And I mentioned a few of them earlier, work ethic, problem solving skills. I want someone who can take a project from end to end. As a small business, as an entrepreneur, I don't have a boss. There's no one that I can ask that, you know, if I screw up, if I make a mistake, who's going to hold me accountable? Our customers are going to hold me accountable. The marketplace is going to hold me accountable. But I don't have a boss to turn to, to ask questions and to say, hey, how do I figure out the answer to this problem? Now, I have teammates. I have a team around me. And my job isn't to do everything. In fact, my job is to try to empower the people around me to do as much as possible. But at the end of the day, the buck ultimately stops with you. And you try to bring people in who have that same mentality of, I want to try to figure this out. I want to try to get the answer. I want to try to be able to solve the challenge. I may not know the answer, but I know the answer is out there. And yeah, if I need your help, I'll, if I need your help, if I need the guy next to me's help, sure, I'm, I'm not stubborn and I'll, I'll ask for it. But I, I want to figure it out, which kind of leads to a, another trait that we really care about. Um, and I know that this is a trait that, Stephen, when we chatted offline and you're telling me about your listeners, um, veterans, people who love sports, entrepreneurs, there's a, a trait that, and I don't want to generalize, but I will. And it's a trait that, that I've been criticized for having, but I'm proud of having, and that's competitiveness. You have to be a great competitor. And competitiveness doesn't mean that I want to beat the guy next to me. Competitiveness doesn't mean that I want to suppress the people around me. Competitiveness means that I want to be the best that I can be. 
I want to get the most out of my abilities. I want to be the best version of myself that I could be. When I played baseball growing up, I was the most competitive person on the field. I was definitely not the best person on the field. I was definitely not the most talented person on the field, but no one wanted to win more than I did. No one had more heart. No one played with more fire. The player who I idolized as a kid, who I, I mean, my favorite player as a kid was Tim Salmon, but the player who I really saw the most in was Tony Phillips, who was just the ultimate gamer. The guy was scrappy. He would beat you. And now the player like that, obviously I love Mike Trout. I admire Mike Trout. I admire Shohei. But David Fletcher, that guy is just a gamer. And that's who we look for in people we hire. We look for the Tony Phillips. We look for the David Fletcher. If you're not a baseball fan, you might not get my reference. But think about whatever hobby you have, whatever person in your industry, who's the scrappiest, hungriest, you know, who's the person that gets the most out of it, that just gets up and brings it. And that's what we care about. It's very different than saying, I want someone who got a 1600 on their SAT and went to Princeton. I love that delineation. And for those of you who are baseball fans, I mean, uh, what he's talking about, I hear characterized. He said he wasn't going to generalize, but I, I appreciate the way that Napoleon Hill did in Think and Grow Rich, how he talked about the habit of going the extra mile essentially is what he's talking about. It's the, it's that drive. So first of all, you have to be able to insinuate that the status quo is not good enough. And so you have to be able to observe what's out there in the marketplace or even in, in baseball using his analogy, who is, who is performing at, uh, at an all-star or above level and how can you compete with that? So what is their practice habits? What was Tim Salmon's, what it was his day to day? Like how many hours did he spend in the cage? How many times did he, uh, did he go up and, and ask his coach to throw him just an, another, another ball so we could work on his fielding or whatever the case may be that, that grittiness, that drive, we call that makeup here at, at Knucklehead podcast. Don't be beta you have to be able to be willing to go out there and get some wins because inevitably you're going to screw up, right? You're going to get the blisters on your hands, the, your knees busted up, or you're going to get the, uh, the screw ups along the way. And what Adam was saying a little bit earlier in the podcast that I think is relevant even now is being able to recognize the landscape of all those dynamic, all the factors that, that, that go into your day to day and how can you focus on what's the most important that affects you and then what control do you have to be able to go out there and carve out the outcome that you want and then be willing to, to screw up? You may be wrong. And then you have the ability to reset the next day and go out there and, and make it happen again. And I appreciate that. Uh, the reference to baseball. I, I love baseball. I love the the individual sports that have a team component like wrestling and swimming and, uh, you know, baseball, those types of things. I, I really enjoy those because you, you, you find folks that are attracted to those sports those are the intangibles. They carry with them the characteristics that you're looking for in order to go successfully grow. Uh, so Adam, I appreciate you. Can you tell real quick, these people who are listening, what's the best way for these folks to get in touch with you or, or to find you? Thanks, Stephen. Really appreciate it. Love baseball, love basketball, love football. So any Texans who are listening, just because I love baseball doesn't mean I don't also love football. So don't hold that against me. Although I do have to disclose that I'm not a fan of Vince Young because I went to USC and I still have bad memories from that Rose Bowl. So, um, I understand. yeah, but understand. putting that aside, you could find me, at, I make it easy. It's just my name, Adam Mendler. So you can find me at adammendler.com. You can find me on social media at Adam Mendler. That's at Adam Mendler on Instagram, at Adam Mendler on Twitter. 
my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, where I go one-on-one with the most successful people in the country on how they got to the top and how listeners can get to the top as well. Military leaders, generals, admirals, athletes, celebrities, CEOs, founders, mentioned a couple of them, but encourage anyone interested to check it out on 30minutementors.com. That's all spelled out. Or you can listen on your favorite podcasting app, whatever app you're listening to this great podcast on. Listen, subscribe, 30 Minute Mentors. Steven, this was awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me. This was a ton of fun. I appreciate you taking some time and importing our listeners with some of the wisdoms that are typically reserved for those boardrooms. It's difficult to to squeeze out some of that information from time to time if you're not physically there, right? If you weren't part of that acquisition, if you weren't part of the in crowd, if you weren't in San Francisco during the, the tech boom in the 90s or, or when Steve Jobs was out there uh, walking the streets, essentially, we want to be able to distill that information down into you know a few minutes here where you can listen either on your commute or while you're out taking care of life. That's the way that the world works nowadays is we want to be able to distill things down into digestible chunks so you can get what you need to get to the next point and also be able to map out a plan to get to where you need to go. So Adam, I want to give you some time back to your day. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with before we jam here? 30 minute mentors. Is it 30? Is it plural 30 minute mentors or is it singular? The, uh, it's, the podcast? It's, it's plural. So it's 30 minute mentors all spelled out. So the word 30 typed out minute mentors, plural. So 30 minute mentors.com, or you can just type it out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, literally any, any podcasting app. And uh, what I tell anyone listening is because I've interviewed a lot of really fascinating people across all kinds of verticals. You mentioned swimming. I did an interview with Ryan Murphy, three-time Olympic gold medals winning swimmer and a great guy, you know, founders of billion dollar companies and hall of fame athletes. Just start with whichever guest you're most interested in whichever guest connects with you most and go from there. And hopefully you get value out of it. I recognize as you do, Stephen, because you run a great podcast. At the end of the day, there are a lot of choices and I want to try to give as much value as possible in that 30 minutes to anyone who's entrusting me with that time. So hopefully anyone who can tune in can get a lot of value and become more successful personally and professionally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you heard it here on Knucklehead Podcast, 30 Minute Mentors and host Adam Mindler interviews a lot of top minds here out there in the marketplace today. So we appreciate you taking some time. And with that, guys, gals, Knucklehead Podcast, you can listen to new episodes every Tuesday. So we'll be talking to you soon. Remember, don't be a bait about the process. Go out and get you some wins. Have a good rest of the day. See you guys.